Hey everybody, welcome to the Fathom and Heavy podcast, episode 40. My name is Andrew, and today I'm bringing you my conversation with Stevie Floyd of Dark Castle, Taurus, Devout Records, her shop in Portland, Oregon, just moved to a new location. Go check it out, opening soon. She and I got together via FaceTime a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about art and music and life, and she is she is a true visionary and a true artist, and it was a real pleasure to get to talk to her and get to know her a little bit better. Uh, she was at her apartment when we were talking, and her five-year-old daughter was home, and she makes a couple of appearances during the podcast, and that was uh, actually um, pretty fun to have happen. So um, that's all in there. And thanks to Stevie for taking the time to talk with me. This was a long time coming, and uh, really appreciate her taking time out of her busy life to sit down and have a chat. One thing I do want to address is the audio quality. Uh, you'll hear it right away, and it is not good. As I said, I recorded this with Stevie via FaceTime. I've done that before. It's not been a problem. But this time, after a two-hour conversation, uh, I immediately checked and discovered, lo and behold, that you could not hear her almost at all. So that was a bit of a gut punch. Uh, I freaked out a little bit. And what did I do? I texted my good friend, Fathoming Heavy alum, two times over, Avinash Matur, also plays bass in Wild Hunt drums in Anaximander, and he is an audio engineer. And I said, hey, I've got a problem. He said, send me the file. I did. He was able to boost her audio uh, as much as he could. He ran a denoising filter to cut down on some of the noise that was coming up throughout her portion, which was recorded so low. So what you're going to hear is me fairly loudly, and you can hear all of my swallows and coughs and all of that unfortunate stuff and you're going to hear her with a sort of a layer of fuzz over her voice but you can hear it you can make it out turn it up just a little bit thank you Avinash for helping me with this that was uh you you, you saved the day here and I owe you big time buddy thanks again for that all right you can find me on Facebook Instagram Twitter Fathoming Heavy uh, you can email me at fathomingheavy at gmail.com and if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes, uh, leave a rating, that kind of stuff does help. It does bring podcasts like this to the forefront when people do a search. So appreciate that. All right, enough of this. Let's do it. Is it you? You recently had to move, right? The store. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had it for I don't know a year, year and a half or something, and then uh, I don't know how much you know about Portland, but they, it's pretty much a very common theme here to kick small businesses out and put a high rise in. Okay. So, so that's happened to so many people. It's it's a, a pretty common story. So they. Uh, to kick us out and then we wanted we were gonna just say fuck it and not do it anymore and then uh, enough people kind of cared 
Yeah. So then we did a fundraiser for it, and then we got a new storefront from the dude that owns Relapse Records. He had a, he was starting to, you know, are you familiar with his chain of uh, heavy metal pizza places? I've, yeah, I am, yeah. Okay, so he was starting a chain of kind of like a similar heavy metal coffee shop sort of thing, and this was going to be the first one. Okay. And then it didn't work out because of the permit to the city, so uh, we were lucky enough to get it. So. Good. Yeah, it sounds like you lucked out. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's a gorgeous building, too. Do you sell, so you sell your own stuff, but you actually sell other people's music too? Yeah, it's, a, it's just a metal record store. Okay. And then in the back, there's a, there's a back room where I do our online stores and our record label stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, just the merch, you know? So I have a space to do that in the back, and in the front's just um, metal records. Okay. We're, we're going to expand it a little bit and have more variety this time, because before it was just death metal and black metal. It was so, such a small little space in our art space so uh, this time I'm going to expand more and have just more doom and thrash and death rock and noise and probably soundtracks and stuff okay making a, a little bit wider of a range a little more well rounded sounds like yeah more diverse yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Bigger. It's, a, it's a real storefront this time the other one was but it was kind of small okay so, yeah it's pretty cool though I'm excited it's just taking a long time to get it together how long have you been in Portland? Mm, almost. Shit, I don't even know. Almost 10 years, I think. Okay. Yeah. I've been in Oakland for um, 17 or 18 years, and it's interesting watching people move from San Francisco to Oakland and now from Oakland to Portland. Yeah. Um, and you're probably... Yeah, right. Are you finding it's it's just becoming harder and harder to establish yourself I mean for for new people to get established I mean it's becoming more expensive and uh, just crazier it is and people talk about that a lot here but it's not like San Francisco it's so different it's there's such a solid foundation of um, there's such a sense of community here with small businesses and with art music and whatever you're into breweries coffee shops bars whatever whatever you're into there's just so much of it here Mm -hmm. It's not like most cities where there's a couple places. There's thousands, thousands, anything here. I mean, and then when you get into nature and you want to go hiking or swimming or checking out waterfalls, there's so much here. It's so dense. With, I mean, there's probably a hundred neighborhoods here that all have cool shit in them. So it's it's not like any other city. It, when you come here, it is a little hard to break into it, kind of. Yeah. Just because it's on lockdown with that sense of community. But even though it's gotten really popular with the TV show and the, it's been several things, the TV show and then the, the Food Network. There's a bunch of um, restaurants that have featured on the Food Network and they've, they've brought foodies here and there's breweries and they've brought those people here. So there is some like, you know, there, there's quite a bit of douchebags to move here. Yeah. Still cool ass people that are moving here. It really hasn't changed and it's not even that much more expensive. Like for a couple years, the rent went up a little you know, for people, but it's still nothing like San Francisco. I mean, it's nothing like that. Or even New York or LA. It's still cheap. You can still rent a room here for like 500 bucks. I know in San Francisco, it's like you can't even get a room anymore for less than like 1500 or some shit, right? Yeah, I mean, that's minimum, I think. Um, yeah, and you're getting no space at all for that. I mean, and it's funny. Um, I mean, San Francisco used to be kind of the hub of, you know, an artistic hub and over the last decade or so that has really shifted to the East Bay. Yeah. Even then, though, even Oakland's high. And Oakland's getting there, too. Like, yeah. they have to work three jobs to pay for 
really practice space. That's what sub, that's the whole thing. Is here you don't have to do. Here it's like you can be creative and you know you still have to hustle a little, but it's nothing. It's nothing like that. Right. And that's what's heartbreaking about watching what's happening with Oakland now is that, you know, people are being forced out of the city, even the the tech folks and the people that kind of created all of this chaos in the first place, you know, are moving to Oakland. And so the artistic communities here are being um, wrecked and are being scattered all over. So it's uh, it, it's sad, sad, sort of a sad state, um, but it's not it's not it's not over yet. I know what you mean. Yeah. That's why everybody's moving here. I mean, because you can, you can survive here. And I mean, and then when you think about eating and drinking and whatever you're into, it's cheap here. It's so cheap. Okay. It's just, it's it's very easy to survive here compared. To, I mean, considering the amount of fun stuff to do here, it's it's kind of heaven on earth. I mean, it, I I love it so much. I, there's just no city that even holds a candle to Portland. I love it so much. And you moved. I, I Kind of like San Francisco in the 90s. Okay, right, right, right. Sort of, but even cooler in my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, it sounds like it. No, none taken. <laughs> I have some Oakland pride. I don't have a lot of San Francisco pride these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you moved out from Florida, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm from Jacksonville, but I had a tattoo shop in St. Augustine, Florida. Have you ever been there? I've, no. Uh -uh. It's the oldest city in the country. It's where, you know, Ponce de Leon founded the country. He was looking for the Fountain of Youth. And uh, there's a lot of history there that's gorgeous. If you ever have a chance to go to Florida, go there. It's amazing. I mean, it's there's architecture there that there's, I mean, they built, they built a fort to contain the entire city. And they built it in this diamond shape. You can look it up. And they have outlooks, like these, these outlook points in every corner of the diamond with a moat around it. And it's on the river. And they build it out of coquina shells and lime, which is burning oysters down and it sealed the line like the line we seal the bikini shells together the whole fort's made out of this there's cannons everywhere they do reenactments every saturday and i used to live and my tattoo shop a couple blocks away so you could open up by cannon wow reenactments they do stuff in their muskets it's really cool though if you ever get a chance to go to florida it's, it's gorgeous and i don't know if you have a wife or whatever but it's really romantic too it's the perfect perfect thing to go take someone to or just go with your friend I mean there's an old hotel there that is, is, is now a college but it's there's like the first schoolhouse the first jail the first liquor store the first pharmacy and it's all dilapidated and completely original nothing's been touched you know and there's graveyards everywhere and they had a wall around the entire city where you had to be Catholic to live inside the wall and if you're Protestant you live outside the wall and then yellow fever hit and killed three quarters of the population then they, the Protestants throw like you know 15 people in one grave. The Catholics had a privilege of burying their loved ones in their yard. So the whole city is a fucking graveyard. And then there was a flood that made all the graves come out of the ground. And they saw all these all this stuff under people's nails, like they've been clawing inside their caskets. And that's how they discovered what a coma was. Ah, okay. So much history there. <laughs> it's crazy. You should go there sometime. It's it's, it's amazing. So how far is that from uh, Jacksonville? It's right below it. Okay. It's almost an island, but it's uh, like 20 minutes. Okay. My family lives in Jacksonville, so it's like 20 minutes away. All right. Well, that's a reason to go to Florida then. I've only been to Orlando, and that was for a work thing. And that's, um, yeah, that's not, not, not my jam. Yeah. No, that's like <laughs> Most of Florida stuff. Uh -huh. I mean, the music scene was killer growing up. I, 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 I'm a 
death metal since I was a kid. I mean, that's like where death and Morbid Angel and Visionary and Incantation right. and Deicide and all that stuff. So. Yeah, how did you know? How did you get into heavy music? Uh, I played classical piano for since I was five, and really competitively, not because I wanted to, because my mom made me. She made me do these things where you learn a song and then you sit in front of judges and they have your sheet music and if you get one wrong you so much as you don't rest properly you don't get a superior and she would make me she was just one of those moms it's like you took a pageant mom yeah piano yeah. mom she was just pushing me and I'm glad she did it I mean I, I did really good piano for a long time and I loved it but then when I was like I don't know, 10 or 11 or uh, my best friend was from Costa Rica she had these Spanish guitars sitting around her house and we would always try to jam on them and play metal on them and it never sounded right. Why does this sound right, you know? And then I begged my parents for a guitar and we were kind of poor. I mean, we were like dirt poor, but we were close. And so they got me this piece of shit guitar and I was so excited and I carried it around me everywhere and it never sounded right and it hurt my hands so bad because the action on the neck was like fucking the bat super you know, high yeah guitar. and I was always so confused like why doesn't it sound like Metallica like playing Metallica on it or Pantera or whatever and then finally I played an electric guitar I used to ride a bike at this pawn shop all these dudes were just like chain smoking and they'd be like sure little kid go play that guitar and I knew I was annoying them but then I started going there to play an electric guitar and I begged and begged and begged my parents to get me one. They finally got me one. And then it all made sense. I mean, that's how I got into playing guitar and I immediately wanted to play metal. And I was in a bunch of punk bands too when I was younger. Okay. So, like, when did you discover that there was metal and punk? Like, what were your sort of your entry bands and how did you kind of cut your teeth listening to that music? It's weird because it's so different than it is now because, I mean, I'm not that old. But, I don't know, just before internet, all you have is mixtapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So people would send me mixtapes. But it was a different time. It was like, I, I'd listen to fucking, you know, Sonic Youth and, and Alice in Chains and, and Soundgarden, but then also Helmet and Prong, and then also Metallica and Pantera and Crowbar. And then, you know, you listen to Public Enemy and Easy e Like, at that, at that moment in time, there was no, it wasn't so clicky, yeah. you know? And I was obsessed with music videos that my dad always had on MTV and VH1. Well, VH1 before MTV, and then when MTV came out, it was around on the board. So I just had, my dad had it on all the time since I was a little kid. And, um, and he had records all over the walls and stuff. And I just, I still am obsessed. Like, that's, that's pretty much all I watched was music videos. Because when MTV was in its prime, you know, it was like Headbangers Ball and Beavis and Butthead. But I found a bunch of bands on Headbangers Ball. Right. And Beavis and Butthead. And 120 minutes. You own TV raps? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> I actually really like rap, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about, I mean, when you're kind of thinking about all of that stuff, it all—I mean, I was listening to all that stuff too, and it was all. I mean, Public Enemy was was a heavy band in, yeah. in, in its own way. I mean, a slightly different variation, but, you know. It was before the rap rock shit was dumb. Right, 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 right. really dumb. Right. Like, the last one I listened to was Biohazard, and then it just got stupid. But they were, they were heavy. I mean, I like Cypress Hill and shit. I don't care. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was later, but, but yeah, Public Enemy was fucking heavy, man. And it was just raunchy. 
I liked how raunchy everything was. Man. I mean, Public Enemy was was intellectual, but it had. I mean, it, it was edgy. Yeah, um, it's heavy as fuck. Yeah, as I think a lot of that stuff was. Uh, Ice T and NWA and Easy oh, and all that stuff. Yeah. NWA. Yeah. So. I like, I like worse shit though. Yeah. I like Three Six Mafia. And- <laughs> Stuff. Okay. <laughs> go over there. Go over there. Go in your room. Go in your room. Yes. Yeah. Here, say hi and then go in your room. Bye. How old is she? She's uh four, about to be five. Okay. She just hates being at the shop. That's why I rented like, the apartment above it because she's at the shop all the time. You know, happen to deal with me like. Using paint and stain and painting okay. and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, she, she's very tolerant. She's not into it, though. Sort of, but it's like, you know, you don't know any different when you grow up. You know, I grew up with a Christian family that was Christian right wing, so I didn't know any different until I got older. So it's like her, she grows up with weirdo, loud. Like now we have band practice, she just puts on headphones. Doesn't even think twice about it, but I don't know. I always wonder if she's going to probably be some like rollerblading cheerleader. <laughs> I'm hoping not, but she's very girly and I wasn't, so I'm kind of worried about that. I have weird rules too, where she's really into horror movies, naturally, because her dad's obsessed with them, and I, I mean, I've pretty much been obsessed with horror movies since I was too. So she's really into horror movies, but it's, it's scary because every other kid that she knows is scared of them, because she's like, I mean, she's seen, it started with like Frankenstein and, you know, Stephen King and stuff, and then now she's I mean, so I'm like, as long as you're not staring out, you're not nightmares, I don't care. See, I let her do that. She listens to metal and listens to stuff, but the thing I don't let her do is I don't, I don't let her listen to pop music and play the bar and shit. Okay. That's, yeah. that's where I don't, yeah. And she starts, I don't know, because there's so much pop music, it's just, first of all, there's, it's not real music. There's no, nobody's actually playing instruments, and the, the people singing are all auto-tuned, and then, and it's just slutty and stuff. Mm. That shit. Then I have friends that are like, they let their kids watch pop music all day, and then they can't believe that I let her watch horror movies, you know? So it's relative, I guess, depending on what your, your moral code is or something. <laughs> this is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to be a mom, dude. I never, I never hung out with kids. You know, it's new to me. I learned a lot in the last five years. Yeah. Has it changed you in some specific ways? Yeah. It, it softens you a lot. Mm. Like, there's a lot of stuff I can't do or watch anymore. Just, like, horrible films where kids are in them and stuff. I used to be really into, like, really, sh- really just awful films and stuff, but I can't watch any of that shit anymore. It does change you. It's a... I don't know. It makes you a wimp, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's different than anything you've ever cared about before. In ways you never could have imagined. Yeah. You protect... You know, you can go into this weird bomb protection mode, you know? It's very weird. You find you kind of kick into it automatically? Yeah, it takes you over. Yeah. Let's go back to, um, let's go back to Florida, where we're talking about a little bit ago. Um, and we were talking, you were talking about how, um, you, you're playing piano and then you start playing guitar and you kind of figure that out in a roundabout way. Um, you're listening to all of these different heavy bands from across the spectrum. My favorite bands are Death and Alice in Chains, I would say. If I had to pick, I would say Death and Alice in Chains. Like, I love Alice in Chains. I've never stopped 
Were you aware of all the stuff that was going on in Florida when you were growing up? You know, death and morbidity, all the Florida death metal stuff. Yeah, I mean, yes. Unfortunately, I was a little late. I'm almost 40, right? So my friends that are 50 got to see death a bunch and uh, some other bands that you can still see, but it's not the same. It's just when you're from Florida, it's just not the same as it was back when all that was going on, you know, in the 80s and early 90s. But I was in this death metal band called Cystic Dysentery. And if, if I were to, I've been in a million, I don't know, a million, like, I've probably been in like 25, 30 bands, but if I were to just name one that I was in, I would be that one. It was my favorite band. It was the best I've ever been at guitar, and I can't play any of that shit now. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I just was in this phase where I was tattooing, and I would just go to work, and then I'd go straight from work to practice almost every day. And me and this dude, the other guitar player, we sit there and smoke weed and just tab out. He tab out every single every single riff for me and then we play over it it was just this phase where I was practicing I was just playing I, was, I wanted to be better at guitar so bad and um, I mean I could still play that stuff but it was, I was just in my prime when I was in that band I fucking love that band just check it out it's just kind of like uh, it's like dying fetus deeds of flesh immolation suffocation worship it's like that those four bands I would okay. say the cool thing about that band is uh, we got to play with Deicide we got to play with Origin, Hate Eternal, Soil Green, got to play with Mortician, got to play with Chasm, Funerous, and Arsis, and uh, got to play with Incantation, got to play with Morbid Angel. This is like early 2000s, I think. So that was awesome because I got to play with fucking all of the bands that I worship. But, you know, it, even though it's really cool, it's still, it would have been way cooler if it was the late 80s, early 90s. Mm, you know? mm hmm. Mm hmm. But it was still amazing. I mean, like, there was a resurgence of that whole scene of death metal in the early 2000s, and I, I was really excited to play with bands that I admire, you know? Um, you've talked a lot about, in the past, your connection to death and all of Chuck's work. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm obsessed with that. And has that, so has that continued? That's that's held steady? Oh, yeah, I'm wearing a death shirt right now, actually. I have a tattoo on my wrist, too, but it's all shitty and old and faded up. All shitty. The, the side fell out. It was okay. Cool. <laughs> I, got, I was so obsessed with death. One night I got drunk and just tattooed on my wrist. You did that to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Pretty bad, but it's like nostalgic. That's my favorite. Favorite ever. It was funny too. Right before you called me, I was walking because my drummer Rob, he lives like in the building across the street, right there. <laughs> And uh, it's one of the last rent control. There's like three rent control buildings in this neighborhood. There's not, there's not rent control, but it's basically the same. They're all cheap. But um, I was I was walking downstairs to grab something from the shop, and as I was walking right back to my my door, he he honks at me, right right next to me, and I was just like, what the fuck? And he's like, that fucking sucks. No. Oh. <laughs> it's his favorite band too. This is really funny. I just hear dead fucking sucks, and I'm like. You. Them's fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> Did, so you didn't get to play with death? No. No. I wish. Yeah. I wish I had friends that knew him. And, you know, he's from Tampa, so it wasn't far. I just wish I could have. I never got to see him live. Once he got that brain tumor, they really. I mean, that last record, Sound of Perseverance, came out in '99. Before that, 
he was struggling with all, all his health problems and stuff. And I probably could have seen him, but I didn't. Back then, it's like I didn't know when they were playing. You know, I didn't. I was a kid. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know shows unless they were in my town. Mm-hmm. Much. Like every now and then, I would hear about something and drive. But I mean, '99. You know, I was like, I guess 17. I mean, I was already into death metal, but I never heard about death playing. If they did, it was probably in Tampa or something, and I didn't know about it. You know, I, I want to kill myself every day for not getting to see death. I, I wish. That's like the one biggest regret. What was the thing about them that was so uh, compelling for you? I would say, as the band itself, two of my favorite drummers ever were in that band, Gene Hoagland and Richard Christie. Gene Hoagland was on Symbolic and uh, Individual Thought Patterns. Richard Christie was on Sound of Perseverance. And a lot of my older friends, most of my friends are older than me, they're always like, quote that shit, it's about Scream Bloody Gore and you, or, you know, uh, Leprosy and Human and whatever. But, and I love those records, but they're this band to me that just kept getting better. But also, each record, at that space and time, each record was so ahead of its time. So even though it kept getting more forward-thinking and crazier and crazier and more progressive and whatever, it's still, each record is so fucking good. But I would say it's a demonstration of the best drumming, the best bass playing, the best guitar work. And for me, transitions is more important than the actual music being played. How you transition from one riff to the next mm-hmm. way more important than the riff itself and that's something that I try to work really hard on with Dark Castle too or they they just their transitions I mean they go from parts to other parts that are completely different that make no sense and any, no one else could do I mean anyone else would just fail you know and they just there's these parts they go from to others that are the way that they do it is just driving me insane Again, as far as Chuck Shoulder is concerned, for me, he's my idol because of he's the full package. He, he his guitar playing is just insane. I mean, and the way he it's like he'll he'll play this riff and then he'll sing over it and then just be like mountain, you know, whatever. And he just goes from this little walk back to the beat potatoes of the riff and then sings over it and it goes back to some other little solo and it goes to this other riff that makes no sense with it but somehow transitions into it. So his guitar playing is number one for me. But then his vocals are like, I mean, the way he enunciates, you can hear everything he's saying and that's kind of why I like the later records because you can hear everything he's saying and it, to me, it's, I mean, you can hear everything you say on all the records, but I just, he has such a range on the last couple. Right. And he can, he can do these scream sings and hold them out forever, but also do blows. And, I mean, I bet you if you wanted to sing, he could. And he's so close to singing, like the on, like on the Painkiller cover. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's Juice Freeze cover at the end of the last song on that, on the, ever, on Sound of Perseverance. That is like, and I'm such a Halford fan, a huge Juice Priest fan, but that's one of those covers where I can't decide which one's better. <laughs> yeah. The covers never better, you know? Right. Just, they're both such perfect, I mean, it's a perfect song to begin with, and like, they just, that cover is freaking insane, dude. I, I mean, just the way you're like, ah! I mean, just sounds exactly like them, except screaming and holding it out longer. It is, yeah, and then his lyrics. 
I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that. It's weird, so it's just like... They've always just really changed the way I've thought about writing lyrics. He doesn't just do the typical death metal thing. It's all about gore and guts. And I'm not into, I mean, I'm into that. Most of my favorite fans write about that. But when it comes to... I separate what I listen to from what I write. What I write is... I don't like writing jokes or gore, personally. Even though I listen to shit tons of that stuff and love it. It... His lyrics are so... It's like this perfect blend of philosophical... But it's this depth that's not corny, you know? Like, it's never corny. It's always just so deep and emotional and forward-thinking. And it's almost like you're talking to a shrink. Mm -hmm. But he does it in this way. Yeah, his lyrics are just... I don't know. That's pretty much all I can ever think about. I mean, it's interesting, and we're kind of, this is something I wanted to talk with you about later on. We're kind of jumping all over the place here, but this is a, I mean, it feels like a natural segue. You know, so much of what I find that I really love about your work, both with Dark Castle and with Taurus, is, you know, thematically kind of the idea of, um, of interconnection and impermanence and emptiness and kind of a greater awareness, right? And that's something that, that I think Chuck was tapping into, um, especially in, you know, sort of, you know, the, the, the later part of his time with death. And it's something that I love so much about. It's the thing that draws me to so much heavy music today because I feel like there are a handful of, of bands and artists that are really working with that stuff and you know i mean obviously yob does a lot but i think neurosis in their own way does i think bellwitch in their own way does that same kind of thing and it seems like that's something that has spoken to you and that you engage with quite a bit oh i, I yeah I, um i know what you're saying i would i was with the singer yob for a few years um that was the reason why we connected was because of um that what you just said it was like uh, uh, we read the same books and it's, it's not even reading the same books we met in Germany because we played a show together and uh, we talked about the books that we read and things and you know when you're struggling with death and depression and whatever it is it, these books just changed my life and there were so many of them I don't even know where to begin just, I mean you can call them whatever they really should be nameless they're just, if you want to call them spiritual enlightenment or self-help or whatever the hell you want to call them. But really, it's just enlightened people writing down what changed their life. And so you're, you're basically reading, you know, a book about someone who struggles with the same things as you and how they became enlightened in whatever form or way that that is. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, I just, for me, it's kind of, like, I could, I could sing about death and horror and all that stuff I have in the past. It's just, for me, I'd much rather, there's not a lot I can do in this life, and I'd much rather, if there's ever a chance to inspire someone with lyrics or um, move them in a way where you help someone feel better about, it's such a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to talk about, I know. Um, yeah. But it's, it's hard because it's like people hold you accountable. And because you're singing about these things, like I'm just a fucked up human like anyone, you know? I struggle with everything. So I struggle with drinking. I struggle with depression, just like anyone, you know? So 
it, it's like for me writing about that stuff helps and then if there was ever a time that you know like there's been times where people tell me I've helped them or something or I don't I, I mean it's hard for me to imagine that because I can't believe that but that's really all it is like I can't I can't waste my time writing music that's jokes or gore anymore you know I don't and I would never write music that's jokes I, I love comedy but I don't want to write it's not the music I don't I mean, it's way more serious than that I don't know. It's just, there's a there's a time and a place for everything. With that, I don't. I don't know how to answer this question. I'm trying. No, I mean it's the thing that 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 I find to be so. Um, it's hard for me to articulate it too, but it, I mean it hits me uh, in such a deep place. Um, these kinds of themes. The older I get, they become so much more essential for me to think about and explore and when I find um, people that are playing this type of music choosing to do the same thing it's not that I'm looking for the musicians that I love to be teachers but I'm definitely there is something um, reflective about it you know it's like okay I'm thinking these things um, I'm picking up on the same stuff in this Dark Castle record and now uh, I feel like there's almost, I mean, that that creates a connection. It helps in a weird way kind of um, formulate some of my own ideas around around things when they're just kind of being bounced around, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that... That's why I would listen to a band, too, for the same reasons, you know? Yeah, right. It moves you, you know? And I listen to a bunch of... I listen to Cannibal Corpse or whatever, too, but, I, but I, the band doesn't really move me, you know... You know, like Deathspell Omega or something. You know, that's like that hits me hard, and it hits you in a way where it's different than, say, Cannibal Corpse or you know, Blue Dots Nord or mm-hmm. uh, House or House. You know, yeah, those are like three of my favorite bands. That's just it hits home so much harder than you know, Obituary or Incantation or something, which I love equally. Yeah, right, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I, I mean, for me personally, when I started reading those books. It was a new thing to me. I guess this was like 20 years ago or something. And so I immediately... The first thing in those books that they talk about is to not talk about it. Mm -hmm. And what do I do? I immediately just like regurgitate all of it. It was so overboard. And and there's some songs that I wish I could take back. It's just way too obvious. And I was just so inspired by it. And I was just want to like plagiarize it you know and I, I changed it around of course but it did when I when I started doing Taurus I just wanted the most minimal amount of words used I wanted the, the you know the back of the, the back of the record where it says the lyrics mm-hmm. I wanted it to just be all the lyrics just make one sentence just that was my whole thing with that is less is more that's why that record's called No Thing. Right. It's part of the Kabbalah, but it's also uh, just about subtraction, you know? Because with religion and politics and anything in this life, of the framework, it's always adding, 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 you know? Adding dogma, adding words, adding all this unnecessary garbage to everything. And true enlightenment or finding yourself or being centered or present, whatever that may might be you personally because everyone's different it's just subtraction of all that it's not adding a bunch of rules and, and 
uh, details, you know, it's subtracting all of that is where I think the truth lies, you know, whatever that is for you, there's one truth, it's different for everyone, but I just, uh, I kind of want to do a more, a thing where it was more of a rada or a mantra, mm-hmm. a sim- simplistic, it's like you, you could, you could put, like on that No Thing record, for example, I could put a thousand words on each one of those songs, but there's just no point. Well, I think one of the things that I love so much about um, about the Taurus project, um, about both of those records, is just the amount of um, kind of space and, you know, there are more droney parts to them, to uh, on both of those records, I think, that um, you can just kind of settle into. And I think um, Dark Castle has more of a uh, it's more of a riff based kind of a band um, and it feels like Taurus is exploring ambience and space um, and negative space a little bit more um, which is something that uh, that juxtaposition between those two um, projects is really interesting um, and, and, and compelling for me too um, I mean it's really just the connection between Rob and I and the connection between Ash and I it's yeah. two different things and that's that's something else that uh, I think is really important in bands is uh, most bands have four or five people and uh, that's something I didn't want to do anymore a long time ago because it's just too many personalities too much baggage too much contra- not not that you can't get along or anything but it's just too it's too much so I I just I like two pieces because it's yes you're gonna lack certain things like bass or solos or whatever it is that's to you that's for to you but uh I just I like the idea of connecting with one person and that's it yeah and you're handling the music they're handling the drums and that's it but with with Dark Castle it's a lot more regimented you know we, we, we're much more structured and a lot of that's Rob and the pros to that are that uh Rob's ten times the guitar player I am, which is frustrating. <laughs> it's like we play to a scale, a certain scale. A lot of times, it, you know, if I leave one note out, he'll notice. You know, okay. Very structured, but it's good because he keeps me on my toes, you know. And uh, he writes a lot of the music too. He's just so brilliant that on guitar, because he's not even a drummer really. He just started playing drums because we couldn't find a drummer. Okay. So he's just he filling that role. Guitars with a drum machine. Okay. Uh, but now, I mean, years later, he's a fucking amazing drummer, and he's been in a bunch of bands that are awesome. He's played in Yob and right. uh, Lord Dying and stuff like that. Now he's in Norska. Oh, he's in this band called Iron Scepter that's sick. You should check mm, it out. All right. But yeah, it's like it's more. I'm, I'm more walking on eggshells with that because I mean, not on egg. When, when you're the guitar player and you know your drummer's ten, ten times better than you guitar <laughs> <laughs> a little self-conscious about it maybe yeah but we have a lot of fun I mean, we have so much fun yeah so it's fine it's, it's cool we've been playing a long time together 15 years or something and you met you started in Florida right mm-hmm yeah he's from South Florida and I'm from North Florida okay he was in a band on tour we met and wanted to start a band that was uh, just basically slowed down death metal like we write death metal riffs and then just keep slowing them down (laughs) slow and then now we have some faster stuff what are you doing 
doing over here? Can you go back in your room, please? No. I'll be there in a minute. We gotta go downstairs. Later. No, but I just want that kid as a friend. You want a what? Okay, I'll give you a surprise in a minute. Get over there. No. Um. But yeah, with Taurus, it's like, uh, so different. Like, um, we, I, I wanted to do this thing where so many times, uh, you know, guitar players will dictate the, the whole band, you know, they'll just show up and say, here's a riff, you play this, you play this. Uh, I don't think that that's a collaborative effort. And I think that I, I write, I write guitar like a drummer would, I guess. I write, I write the rhythm first the, and then I add the notes. So to me, the drums are the most important thing. And uh, so with Taurus, I would just kind of, I wouldn't play anything. I would just pick a rhythm and then let her figure out what she wants to put there and just not confuse her. Because that's the thing, is like, you show practice and the guitar player's like, oh, look at this new riff I got. It's like, the drummer just wants to hear it, the, the compartmentalized rhythm. I don't want to hear, you know, it's kind of like those male and female books, like, Men are from Venus, and, or women are from Venus, and men are from Mars. Women are women are like spaghetti, and men are like waffles. Sure, it's the same shit. It's like drummers just want the root of it. They just want the rhythm. They don't care what notes you're putting there. So I really like playing with her because I can just strum a rhythm, and I'm like, you know, it goes like this, dun 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 you know, or like dun 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 write it out on a board and say, you know, 4, 7, 12, 18, whatever, just numbers. It's more of like a math problem. And then she can just focus on that, and then it allows her to come up with a way more creative drum part than if I were to just confuse her with a bunch of notes. Right. She don't care about that. No, no drummer cares about the notes. They just want to hear the, the structure. And so that's what's fun about that. We've come up with so many weird timings just because of that thing. And then we have parts where I'll say, just go crazy on this part as long as you want. Like she'll just do a, she'll just do this weird drum solo or fill. It was so fun live because some nights she'd do it for 30 seconds and other nights she'd do it for five minutes. She's feeling it. Yeah. We'd always have a little like baseball signal, you know, to go into the next part, but it's so freeform. But it's not jam band. I fucking hate jam band shit. It's but you put a little bit of the jam band in there, underneath this crazy thought out structure, and that's what I like. Is you know we'll work on one riff all day for eight hours. That's why I love her. We would spend all day just working on one riff, and we locked ourselves in a basement for two months to write that record. And we, we decided to have no distractions, no cold work, no hmm. boyfriends whatever distractions and uh it was just great because we had this big dry erase board we just write down all the numbers and the the way that we wanted to structure a song and then just and then the notes came later you know but it, it's it's so great because it it makes her a better drummer and me a better guitar player because i'm letting her be free to do whatever the fuck she wants right and within that she came up with things that i had never heard before and she hadn't heard and it was it was so fun. Like, we had so many times where we'd be lost in it and then just stop and start laughing, you know? <laughs> like, what is, this? what is this, dude? What are you doing? It's like you get lost in it and totally absorbed and in the moment, and then, and then you, 
and then you step out of it and go like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have a specific question. Um, this is very specific about um, life, the, the, you know, the, the first Taurus. Yeah. Um, there is a, there's a sample in there um, about sound experience. And the guy says, you know, which I prefer uh, to all others is the experience of silence. silence. Um, who is that? John Cage. Okay. So all right. For the first record, we did all men. And for the second record, we did all men. Okay. And there is no reason why. It's just like, uh, usually we do a guru, a murderer, uh, some kind of sci-fi or writer or whatever. It's just different people that inspire us, you know. Uh, like for for no thing we did Lisa Gerard from Dead Can Dance. Mm-hmm. She's just I don't know if you ever seen her. I have. Okay, so you've seen um, within. Uh, God, I have it on VHS and DVD. Is it toward? Is it toward the within? Toward the within. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, the way that she talks is just crazy. She's like an angel. Yeah. She's like, I don't, I don't know. These sounds just come out, and I just create my own language. Or she says something like that because she's. She'll just sing things that's her own language that isn't even words. It's her own. I love that. She's one of my favorites. Ashley's really into. Uh, she waited in line to get a hug from Ama. <laughs> and then there's. Uh, anyway, on life, um, it's all men. And uh, Phil K. Dick was really important to us. So we did a couple by him. And then we did John Cage. And then well, it's been so long since so I've listened to that. But yeah, the one that's the experience of silence is John Cage. That's John Cage, and that totally when makes sense. Spot, when I get on the spot, I have ADD. I mean, it sounds like something that John Cage would say, and I should have just actually thought about that. I just don't know if I've ever heard him talk before. And I, I really liked what he had to say on that, um, so I wanted to specifically ask about that. Well, just because this whole record was just so fucked. I mean, the whole point of Taurus is just to make people feel uncomfortable and feel something they haven't felt that was the only goal, just to just to make people feel uncomfortable, and it worked. I mean, and it's not a forceful kind of a thing. It's more of just there's so many bands that just do the same thing over and over, or they're trying to write a riff, or they're trying to make it or party or whatever. And I just, I just wanted to do something that made people's insides come out of their come out of their skin, you know, and crawl. We went on this tour uh, with that band Agalock and. They're very different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, dude, there were so many nights where people were just like so confused that we loved it. I would like turn my back and start laughing at you guys. Because you just look at the audience and people are like, what? What's going on? One time this lady shouted out, me and Ashley still talking about this. This lady, it got quiet because there's this part in the set where we just stand there for, uh, I don't know, like an uncomfortable amount of time. And you could just. I don't usually look at the eye. I usually have my eyes closed, but this one lady was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> her hair, like, walked out. And I just turned around and busted out laughing at Ashley. I was like, dude, she was looking at me. She's like, oh my God. I love that. That's awesome. I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, people are uncomfortable with silence. They're uncomfortable with being quiet themselves. They're uncomfortable with not talking with a friend or a partner, just being in a in a room together. Um, and certainly in a room with, you know, 500 people or whatever, the idea of being really quiet, especially with two people on stage. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like, 
I mean, it, 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 Agalop was a pretty big band, so we were playing ballrooms and shit, which had nothing to do with us. We were a brand new band. But they were, I mean, it was crazy. There was a couple times where, I mean, we have a projection of, um, uh, we always have a projection that we made of, it's a mixture of quantum physics and, and it's all fast and it's black and white mixed with this uh, Russian film that's, or it's Turkish dubbed in Russian called The Color of Pomegranates and it's by Sergei Krajinov and it's just these there's no way to explain it it's all it's all um, practical sets from the 60s and you know it'll be hundreds of books on a roof blowing around mm-hmm. it'll be this androgynous person that's just turning this wheel and, and just so painfully just like turns over and looks at you like this and it was projected huge behind us and um, there's a lot of random scenes and that mixed with the presence of that each each scene in that film is so present have you seen those i haven't oh my god you should just drop your life and watch them color of pomegranates okay we used uh there's another one called the uh shadow of forgotten ancestors it's but it's all his films from the 60s and they're like there's no way i could explain them it's like if you took holy mountain i'm sure you see holy Mm -hmm. mountain like you took that and put it in the 60s Okay. made it even cooler it's yeah you just have to see it yeah yeah it I will do that absolutely like that so it would be really slow and painfully slow and present but then it was just this black and white film that's all starting with a blade of grass going up you know into a bug and then into the cosmos and all soaring around and then just cuts to this person going nah, I don't know mm, mm. that was like Taurus is so fun is Taurus still happening? yeah we just we take turns. Uh, before I had a kid, I could be in two bands. Right, right. Plus, I have a solo. I have a solo shit I do. But um, before before I had a kid, I could handle two bands that are active, you know, recording and playing live. But it's just too hard now. So we take turns. And she's in another band called Insect Art. Sure, yep. And they're recording and doing Europe right now. So, okay. um, But I think when they get back, I think I'm going to start doing that again. Just talked the other night about it. We just had our birthdays. Happy birthday! Thanks. We're both Tauruses. We went to say karaoke the other night for our birthday, and uh, you and Ash. Yeah, we were yeah. hugging the whole night, talking about we have to do our band again. Well, I hope you do because because I absolutely love both of those albums. And uh, thank you. Yeah. No, we are. We're not done. Dark Capital just started doing shit out of nowhere. We weren't planning it or anything. Yeah, that has been a long time. Yeah, and it's been really fun, so we just been kind of going with it. And we have a new record that we're working on. So. There's a new song that uh, is on that Adult Swim comp. Yeah. Right? It's so weird. They just, like, emailed us and said, do you have a song you could use? And I was like, no. <laughs> we put everything out on the... We, we did that box set recently with all of our... Yeah. You know, so... We had nothing, and they were like, well, can you record something? And him and I are so busy right now, but yeah, we did it. It was fun. It was so fun. Well, we have, we have new songs for a new record, so we just took one of them and used it and then recorded it for this, and it was really fun. It's awesome. It's kind of cool to just focus on one song and not an entire record. Will that song be on the record, too? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Adult Swim is really cool about just, they give a shit about bands, you know, so they're like, you can you can use this on whatever you want. You mentioned you mentioned your solo stuff. Are you still 
you know, I, I my only experience with your solo stuff is the the split you did with Eric uh, with Ariel Ruin. Um, okay. Oh yeah, I have that. Yeah. Oh cool. I have all I have all this stuff. Like I am, I'm a, I'm actually a fan of what you do, and and I I buy the special editions and the deluxe boxes and all of that stuff. Really? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably mail it to you. Then. You do. You mail it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mail all that shit. So are you? Yeah, you yourself do, right? What's that? You yourself mail it. Yeah, I do all those stores myself. It's becoming a little bit treacherous. It's why I haven't had the store open yet, but the mail order is just pretty intense. Okay. So, um, I guess that's yeah, a... Yeah, I thank you for buying that stuff. That's oh, really yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was a weird one, because my solo thing was just called Nature since 2009, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just recorded that on my A-track. Yeah, it was just... I mean... I just wanted to do something by myself, so I started doing nature, and I, I played some shows and did that little record. It's, it's very, very bare bones and stuff, and then... It was. It was a lot different, yeah. So I was doing another nature record, and then um, Eric was like, let's do a split. And then, I don't know why, but he was like, just use your name. I don't know, I kind of kind of felt a little weird about using my name, but then it, I don't know, we were just... It was a more personal... Thing to me, I guess. But I felt really good about it. I felt really good about. It. I felt better about that than nature. But I have a, um, I have a new record that I'm almost done with. It's a, uh, what well, two? But one is uh, this project called Reverse Prayer, which is me and uh, the guy from Author and Punisher. Okay. This, uh, this guy Garrick, who's amazing. He's a genius. Uh, he was in a band called Story of Rats. He does. He does a bunch of stuff. But there's that, and then I have another solo project that I'm almost done with. I don't know, at first I wanted to do those other ones as more of a minimalist, kind of um, softer. I was just really inspired by traditional music and things like that, but this time I'm doing um, more of like a black metal, death metal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like I'm playing drums and bass and guitar and trying to... Trying to <laughs> desperately trying to do drums that I can't play. <laughs> I'm trying to do these triplet blasts, like, you know Derek Roddy from Made Eternal? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love his drumming. Uh, he does this triplet blast that has ghost notes in there, where it's kind of, uh, on the ride, you know, you're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then on the snare, you're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then underneath, it's got double kick, it's like, you know, and I, I'm like, not a drummer, but I'm trying so hard, and I, uh, anyway, I have I have a few songs done for that. I think I almost have a record in close. Is it nice to be playing that stuff again? That that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I just wish I could play drums how I want. <laughs> yeah, I always have this shit in my head that I can't play. That's the hard part. But yeah, it's fun. I, I just I just wanted to do something more BM and DM. I mm -hmm. honestly, mm -hmm. but it's all over the place, you know. I don't know if stuff I feel pretty good about it, but I gotta finish it off. So when when we were setting this up, you know, I asked if it was okay if I asked about your working rela relationship with Jeff. Um, you know, yeah. not to pry into personal stuff at all. As long as it's not super personal, it's fine. No, I'm just curious about whether you guys make music together and how you know what what kind of a working relationship i know that a lot of the leviathan stuff is is linked to devout so are yeah. do, i mean do you guys get together and play and jam and and create yeah we have um 
Dude, we have an arsenal of demos. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't put them out yet. It sucks. We've talked about putting them out so many fucking times, and I don't know why we haven't. We started a project together called It Out. And then I wasn't really trying to have a record label or anything. And, our, and to even call it a record label is silly because it's like so tiny and barely put anything out. But that just kind of happened because he's had the really the worst the worst shit into the stick you can imagine with a certain label that I won't mention so I wanted to help him and I was determined to help him put out his own stuff you know his own music I should have said stuff just I mean I mean the full package you know yeah the, the layout the art the packaging pressing it mastering it mixing all that stuff and so we put out Scar Sighted we've done a couple other things with Nuclear War Now and, and as partners and stuff that was already all already pretty much done by Jeff but Scar Sighted was 100% uh, just him and I for a year of our life I mean he does all the music obviously it's life but I just did the, the layout and the, the art and the packaging and the mastery I just you know put it together before that I put out a few records and so we just decided hey let's just call our label our band name because hmm. uh, we have a band called It Out, sort of, that no one's heard. Because <laughs> uh, we haven't done anything with it. But yeah, we have we have like 30 demos or some shit, probably. Um, but only a, a handful of them we mix down, and we've listened to it in the car on trips. Uh, we went to LA and back and listened to it uh, a lot. The thing is, is it's demos, so we're trying to decide if we want to actually release that to the world. <laughs> Right, right, right. But they're 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 really they're just all over the place, you know. It's um, it's like nineties get some shoegaze, black metal, death metal, okay. you know, uh, all all kinds of stuff. So I I mean I love it though. But I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know if we'll ever do anything. We keep talking about it. But not really. Well, it would be amazing to hear. I hope I hope sometime it surfaces because I would love to. I would love to hear that. We've been doing it over the course of almost seven years. Do you, I mean, are you, is it still, I mean, it's still active. You're still working on stuff when you can. We go through phases, yeah. We've been going through, you know, we'll go through phases where we'll work on it for a while and then not for a while and then we'll get excited about it again. And yeah. Get self-deprecating about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just demos. I mean, we're just, yeah. it's just shit on my A-track and then, um, so I used it, he used, he used a four-track forever. A couple of his records were on a four-track and then, um, I've always used an A track, and then my A track died, and uh, my external hard drive failed. Mm. What happened? And then I I started using Ableton. New to me because we're not really computer people at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just forced myself to learn it, and it took me so long. I I was just sitting there pulling my hair out trying to figure out how to use Ableton, and I can work my way around it enough to record so then we started recording on Ableton so like half of it's on an 8-track 4-track and then half of it's on so we're trying to figure out how to but they're just all live I mean it was um when uh when Jeff and I met we were both in really bad spots mm. and uh there was this the first time we were recording it was like uh I was working on my solo project and I just handed him the mic and was like sing on this and then he sang on one song on there then it then it became hey let's work on some music and I didn't have I have guitars and uh, 
amps and stuff, of course. But I didn't have a drum set there at the time. And so we found this, like, shitty kick drum that was in the yard. It had vines growing all over it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I lived with a bunch of... I had my apartment in the basement within forty studio and a practice space. But then above me was four dudes, like, these friends of mine that lived in the house. I lived in the... Ba- I was in the basement troll. Yeah, there was this kick drum that was all grown over with vines in the yard. I was like, just grab that, dude, just grab that. And so we brought it in, and then he started hitting it with a wooden spoon. And then I got this tambourine and taped all of the little, the little, uh, little, whatever you call them on the tambourine. The little cymbal thingies. For, yeah, so yeah. taped one together. And then he did this blast beat that sounded amazing. <laughs> Crazy, dude. I couldn't even believe it. He was just, and he was, he was not stoked on it at all. He was kind of like, really? But then he got into it, and then he used the magazine as a snare. Wow. I swear to fucking God, it sounds great. I could not believe it, because we were just fucking around. And, yeah, he was just like, and then doing, like, fills on the magazine, and then hitting the tambourine as a snare. It was so funny. But then, I mean, we were just losers at that moment in time. I won't get into details about that. But then, then, uh, Ashley brought her drum set over because we started practicing there. So then he started playing a real drum set, and then we did a few songs. And then he brought his own. Once we, once he was like moving here, moving here, he moved all his shit from Oakland to here. And then we had a drum. We had his drum set. Yeah, it's funny that some of those are some of those tracks are just him hitting some crappy. You know, the, the kick drum was such a piece of shit. The head was all loose and lugs and everything was all loose to do there it's all shit but it you know if you have some you know a little bit of creative effort with the effects and stuff absolutely right <laughs> it's, it wound down like a drum circle well, more has been made with less I mean it's it sounds amazing so um e- even that story is super cool so this we were broke we were broke and didn't have any access to anything at that point in time yeah doing what you can with what you have yeah in conjunction with the music there's also the artwork which you seem to kind of do single-handedly and if you look on your Bandcamp page there's i mean you have a, a ton of artwork that people can can buy if they want um and the lavish packaging you know the the wood box for dark castle the taurus boxes um and even the 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 scar sided package you know all of that just uh, beautiful and um so you have that much time i mean there's that all of that energy and creativity going into all of your artwork as well and you have a very distinctive style um that adds i think a lot you know i'm i'm one that really loves how things are packaged and how things look you know i listen to digital music all the time but i love having it um i and i and the stuff that you do is is um it, it's it's really special that dark castle box um was was totally worth the incredibly long wait i sent you an email at one point and said hey is this a, <laughs> is this happening and you said yeah yeah we're working on it no <laughs> No, no problem. Like I said. The common theme with me is I have these grand, you know, grand ideas and then I don't know how to make them happen. Overdo it and then it's, it was really intense. Well, it was, I mean, I hope you're happy with the, the final product of that um, because it was... For the most part. It could have had slightly better craftsmanship, but I am, I am happy with it. But yeah, it was fun because 
Rob and I would have these days where we would just stay home all day. Yeah. We glue them together. Well, we'd stain them and then we glue them together. Or stain them, screen print them, ice cream print them, and then we glue them together. And we work really well together with that stuff. But I just, for me, it's the visual is equally as important as the audio. And a lot of people would say that. But I, I always want to make things that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Like that Leviathan scar sided cassette tape I made. It w- I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen the cassette. So, the CD and the record were already out, and he did uh, he did nine paintings for that album, this three, one for each song, and then the the font that we used was this old. I have this old uh, book of fonts from the the printer for Everhart Press that's in the building with me. That's uh, been shared the same space as us for a lot of years, and uh, he printed all the inserts too. He does old school lithographical printing, but uh, I wanted to do a different font for the nouns, a different font for the adjectives, and a different font for the verbs, and that's incorrect. Mm. But but, the, but to put a cassette out where you can appreciate the art is really hard because it's so small. It's right. a small format. Right. Then we did we did this. Uh, I had this idea from um, this Black Sabbath tribute record that came out in the '90s. They did trading cards for each band. It was bands like Typo Negative, and uh, uh, they had trading cards, and each card was art, and then the other side was the lyrics. So that was, that's what gave me the idea, but I did trading cards, nine trading cards, and one side the art, one side the lyrics, and then I did a 12, uh, 12 J-card fold-out poster where all the art just kind of swirls together like that, you know, where it all over, overlay, uh, overlaps. Mm-hmm. And then we did a double Melcro box set where it's two tapes, and but there's only one tape, but the other side is the trading cards and the 12 oh, uh-huh. pulled out. Yeah. But it was the most elaborate tape I've ever seen. And I just, I don't know, I always get these ideas to do stuff like that. And then usually halfway through, I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And then everyone's emailing me like, where's my shit? Yeah, right, 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 right. And I always feel so bad because I, I, I don't mean to do that at all. I just, I get in over my head. Like the same with those Dark Castle box sets. We had it all planned out. We had it all figured out. And then, like anything, you have hang-ups, shit that pops up, you know, like the wood's not cut properly, or the, you know, I was trying to cut all the wood myself, too, which I finally evacuated on and let someone else cut the wood. I just love that, though, because I I think that a lot of fans slack on the visual aspect of it. And I don't mean a lot. I mean, there's plenty of bands that have beautiful, beautiful releases. I mean, I, I just think that it's just as important, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Music is just audio. There's nothing that you see. So there should be, and this sounds very elementary, but there should be just as much emphasis on the aesthetic and the visual experience as well as the audio. And and, and a lot of people that think with, with the side of the brain for music don't think with the side of the brain for art. <laughs> and that's completely understandable, but there should be some way to connect the two because it's a... It gives you the full experience, where you're seeing you're seeing something as well as hearing it. I mean, it feels like a fully realized project. I think, um, yeah, uh, like a fully realized artistic piece when you've got the music and such attention to the to the visuals. Um, exactly. One of the things that I I mean I I, I noticed this already on the CD to um, surrender to all life, but it was really striking on the box set and the the pieces that came in that. How, how you know how you took each individual 
piece from the original release and um, gave it its own individual page. Yeah. Um, and how how the emphasis on there is sort of the, the over the thread of hands and eyes, right? Everywhere, hands and eyes. I was really struck by that. I mean, I guess I had noticed it before, but really struck by that as, as I got the box set. And I was just wondering, I mean, what, what about the idea of hands and eyes is um, compelling for you enough to spend so much time working with those two things? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's part of the five senses, of course, but it's eyes are the window to the soul, all-seeing eye, all of that stuff, obviously. Um, but hands are how you create things, mm. and eye coordination is everything. Mm. I mean, you couldn't do anything without that. And for me, yeah, just hand-eye coordination. That's that's where it. That's where you meet with music and art, for example, or I mean, anything you do. If you're cooking, if you're writing, if, I mean anything that you're doing you're gardening which I love doing it's it's just hand-eye coordination you know um, it's not some weird obsession with hands like a foot fetish no 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 of course not okay it's not even that it's just I don't look around at people's hands and go oh wow he has really beautiful hair yeah right, right. it's a it's just a it's hand-eye coordination like I already said and then being able to feel through that you find the truth to whatever you're seeking or whatever you're not seeking anything that you're feeling or see I, I, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it I haven't been asked before so I'm trying to think of how to explain this I, th- I think what uh, I think what I'm hearing you kind of saying is that you, you've got the eye which is sort of um, open to you've got the hand which is physical and tangible and can touch you know i'm touching this this table i'm touching this laptop but you've got the eye which is um kind of the opposite it's it's perception which is such an unlimited um and completely infinite thing when you peel back the layers you know and so it's it's like a it's like it's perception it's intuition yeah it's uh you can look at someone how I'm looking at you now and I can see right into you and it's a blessing and a curse because it's you can see right into someone's soul and immediately know if they're a genuine person if they're an authentic person if they're a fake person if they're a troubled person if they're full of pain if they've been through a lot of agony in the past if, if they're an old soul you can just see all that immediately when you look at someone and then, like you said, the touch is it's physical, but with the two combined, it creates this other this elevated level of energy that is unexplainable, really. Yeah, I'm having a hard time explaining. It. Right, it's hard. Yeah, it's wordless. It's it's the it's the realm of the, the nameless. Yeah, there's nothing. There's 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 no words for it. Right, uh, and you tackle that very thing in one of your songs as well. What? The idea of word wordlessness, namelessness, not being able to words failing. They always do because they're just signposts to the truth. Yeah, right. No word. I mean, words are just distorted. I mean, they're distorting the truth. No matter, and it's not a, a conscious thing. It's it's everyone does it. We're all human. It's it's unconscious, and you can't you can't talk about an experience through words. That's why history books fail. Mm-hmm. That's why the Bible fails. It's why 
and, and it's not that it's completely untrue or all true because everything has a different ratio of truth or untruth but just the idea of words in general they just distort the truth and, and no matter how you there's no way you know it's like uh if me and someone else right now had an experience and I wrote it down and they wrote it down they would be two completely different stories yeah right because of their own perception and my own perception and then the minute you're trying to write something down or talk about something that you experienced it's distorted and it's it doesn't mean that it's untrue necessarily but it's it's like uh, you know Matthew, Mark, Luke and John first four Bible first four you know, uh, the New Testament, mm -hmm. the New Testament, they all have the same exact experience with Jesus. And it doesn't mean that their experiences are untrue. It just means that there are four different perceptions of that. And that's, that's just a, an easy example that I could think of. They, all four of those books are completely different. And they all have the exact same experience walking with Jesus, you know, whether you believe that or not. Uh, but I grew up with that. So, um, but it, words are just, I mean, it's just like when you read his, history books, you know, or you take American history in school or world history, you know, they're, those are all people writing down their experiences in those moments. And then you have ego that factors in, you have your own agendas. Yeah. Interpretations of what really happened. And yeah. maybe you embellish on it a little bit, maybe right. exaggerate, or maybe you don't, maybe you under exaggerate. But the point, that's not the point. The point is that words are just meaningless. I mean, they don't, they don't mean anything and it's so hard to put a bunch of words into something like music because right. I'd rather just say less than more these days. On Sort of on that note, I mean, you, you've got a few things coming out. It sounds like a few things are in the works and that's fantastic. You're moving to it. You've moved to a new shop and that's in the works. So there's a lot going on. Um, it feels like it's been a long time since we've had, you know, since we've heard from you musically. So I, I think people are excited about about what's coming up. I am. <laughs> no, I never think about that. I, I can't ever believe that anybody likes me. I always think it's, it's so, it's such an honor. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just never can believe it. shine it everywhere. Here, take it with you. <laughs> take it with you. I just got this laser lollipop. Nice. Got to go in the dark. Go in your room in the dark. Go turn the light off. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't been putting out a lot of music mostly because of this whole shop thing yeah yeah um, well that and other reasons like my kid hmm. <laughs> um but yeah the shop has just been i've been working on it for a year the new one it's been a year uh i i printed out posters of jeff's art my art and we commissioned a couple of artists that do death metal and black metal covers like um matt Petrid and uh, Daniel Desiderator and Riddick and people like that were so fortunate to get a few pieces of art from them and so um, I print them out on these big uh, oversized black and white prints and then I just we paste them on the wall and then I stain them and then I put amber shellac over them so those are there's these panels of art all over the walls um, and then I took the old loft in our old record store that I built we had like a uh, pallet staircase and this loft where I kept all the merch at the old store. Mm -hmm. So I disassembled the loft and made all of that wood into record shelves. They're kind of overbuilt because they're all two by sixes and a little unnecessary, but they look cool. It just looks like piled up wood and then painted the whole place black. Yeah. Uh, it's just been a lot of work. I had to make, a, you know, just 
boring shit. I had to make like an area to check people out, the window seat, just, just a yeah. place to have, you know, CDs, cassettes, whatever. Um, it's been really fun. It's just taken a long time because we didn't really have money to do that. So I'll basically work there for a few days and then I'll have to go do something to make some money mm-hmm. doing or art or whatever. And then when we we didn't have any, we'd have to stop and kind of like postpone it a little. So it's taken a long time. We, yeah. we could have gotten done what we got done in a couple months if, if I had been able to just dedicate every fleeting moment to the store. Okay. But we're so close now. Thank you for spending so much time and doing this with me today. Um, yeah. Really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah.